and welcome to NSDA The Bus Stop. This is the official podcast of the National School Transportation Association, and I'm Kurt Mackison, Executive Director, and I'm here today with David Avrin. He's president of the Customer Advantage Experience, and David's going to be our keynote speaker at the annual meeting and convention in Niagara Falls, and he's going to speak to us as an author of The Morning Huddle, Why Customers Leave and How to Win Them Back, Visibility Marketing, and It's Not Who You Know, It's Who Knows You. So, so David, that's a lot of great content. Excited that you're, you're with us and going to speak at the annual meeting convention, and welcome to NSTA at the bus stop. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to it. I, I think the event is going to be great. It's it's time, isn't it? I mean, my gosh, we've been we've been doing things virtually for so long, and when we ply our trade and the work that we do with the districts and the kids and, and others, it's it's in person, right? And so, it it only makes sense that we're back in person again, and meeting and connecting and sharing and growing our businesses and talking about important policy, and I'm thrilled to be a part of it this year. Well, that's great. So as we you know start off on the podcast here, one thing I love about doing on NSTA the bus stop is getting you know diving into people's background, you know what makes you tick, and uh, I'm sure that you know you have a lot of great experience you know that that has brought you to the point where you are, and I'd love to hear, and I'm sure our listeners would too, a little bit of your background and experience. Sure. You know, I, I spent most of my career uh, in the early days in marketing and public relations and helping organizations craft the words that will more would more effectively communicate who they were and why they did what they did and help companies promote themselves, branding, marketing, advertising, whatever you want to call it. And what was interesting is, is I did it for a lot of years and I worked with a lot of major national brands. I had a marketing firm and I saw a change happening that I think most of us have seen as well. And especially over the last five, six, seven years. And that that shift was from the things that we say about ourselves, which is our marketing and our advertising, to what other people are saying about us. That, that customer experience that drives, all pun intended, um, that drives the, the reviews, positive and negative. You know, we used to worry about what what our neighbors said, right? We we all grew up in business hearing what we used to call guest relations philosophy, and here's how it went, right? The average person with a positive experience will tell two or three people, but somebody with a negative experience would tell 10 or something like that, right? None of that's true anymore. Kurt, today, we tell thousands. Today, we tell millions because with social media, with social proof from Yelp and TripAdvisor and Rotten Tomatoes and Glassdoor and all of those as well, the people have a power today that we've never had in terms of helping people understand whether the experience was worthwhile. Was it frustrating? Were the people a pain to work with? Were they, were they rigid? And so in my business, I made a profound shift. And that shift was from marketing as a primary driver of, of customer behavior and influence to the experience as a private, as a, as a primary driver today, for the first time, convenience has replaced quality as the primary reason why people buy and people continue to work with the company. It's really been a really exciting and profound shift. Today, everybody's good. I mean, if you weren't good, you wouldn't survive. 
right? I mean, there used to be a time when, you know, some people were iffy. Well, today, certainly it's a regulated industry, but also if you weren't good, it would be really difficult to survive because people would let us know online and otherwise. And so if we as an industry are going to be effective from a lobbying perspective, from a policy perspective, and then also working with our constituents and our customers in the districts, those companies that are ridiculously easy to do business with have a distinct competitive advantage today. Yeah, it's, you know, you, you raise some really interesting points and nuances, actually. And I guess my question to you, David, is then what led you to focusing on improving customer experience from, you know, how you articulated the marketing side? Marketing, right. Correct. Yeah. You so, know, it's yeah, a great what, question. What that? You know, what cost it was the work that I was doing wasn't as effective as it used to be. I mean, quite honestly, I wasn't as good and I didn't know why. I mean, my, some of the broader lessons, I wrote some early marketing books. I wrote, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. I wrote visibility marketing and they did very, very well. And we're in multiple languages, but I started seeing the work that I was doing um, being less effective because I wasn't working within the company. I could help them craft great verbiage and great messages and then they would, pardon my language, they would piss off their customers. And I'm like, <laughs> the words that we created don't mean anything if you can right. deliver in a way that is effective. And so it's a great question. I, I made a shift because, because I wasn't as good as I used to be, or at least the work that I did. And so I, I asked the question, why? And sort of that's what led to the research behind my book, Why Customers Leave and How to Win Them Back. And what I what I came to recognize through all of that research, anecdotal and otherwise, was that most businesses are honestly doing the best they can. We're working really hard. We've got to deal with labor issues and supply chain and 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 all of that. But some of the policies and procedures that we had were inadvertently frustrating our customers or our constituents and others. And it wasn't because we were trying to do so, and it wasn't because we weren't you know, coming from the right place, but we weren't really looking at that customer journey from their perspective. If we, we look at how much right. has changed just even recently because of COVID, everything is easy to find. Smart companies are easy to get a hold of. Smart companies are easy to complain to, right? And if you aren't easy to complain to, then your customers or your clients or your constituents will complain online or they'll complain to others as well. And so the learning through all of that has been the companies that have found a way to really simplify their process, help people get what they want faster, help them circumvent, be more flexible. Um, and that's hard. Kurt, it's hard for companies who have a process that they've created and a process that works and a customer journey that is efficient and predictable. The problem is your customers haven't read your employee manual. Right? They didn't go through your employee right. training. They just know how they want to do business and how we do business has changed. Yeah. And this is incredibly fascinating, David, but I, I do have a title for your next book, given what you just uh, mentioned. And it, it the title me. would be, the title is, it's not you, it's me. Yeah, exactly. Well, here's something really funny. First of all, I love that. And, and it's true. <clears throat> My buddy, uh, Bruce Turkel wrote a book. It's all about them. But 
what's interesting is it kind of flies in the face of some of the current talk. Like for those who are friends, who are fans of Simon Sinek, right? Great leadership, wonderful lessons. Mm -hmm. But he talks about this whole thing about understanding your why and that your customers, they have to, they have to, you have to know your why and they have to something about, about all this about your why. And I just, I, I couldn't disagree more. I don't think customers care about your why. I mean, your why gets mm -hmm. you up in the morning but they care about their why, right? Mm -hmm. They're not going to buy from you because you're passionate about something. They right. buy from you because you solve a problem for them. And in some ways you solve it better than others do. And today, what's really interesting when everybody's good and they are to an extent, right? Sometimes good enough at a better price point is a better choice, but we're looking for differentiators, right? How do we compete better? And today in a marketplace where everybody's good, the differentiator has become those companies that are easier to work with, the ones where we can get things faster and get hold of somebody faster or a process that's simplified. And to be clear, I don't talk about customer service. And for those who are going to, to the conference in Niagara Falls, understand we're not talking about customer service. My God, we've been talking about it for 40 years. I think if you don't know how to treat people, you've got bigger issues, right? But customer experience is a separate and distinct discipline. The service is what we provide, right? But the experience is what our customers experience doing business with it. And it's much less about did somebody smile and ask what our plans are for the weekend, but was it a complicated process? Did we feel like we were talking to a brick wall, right? Which happens all too often. Mm -hmm. Did we feel like somebody was reading a script? Where we did somebody say no to something that was really easy to say yes to, right? And the easy example I give all the time is, is if you're at a restaurant with some friends and you order a chicken Caesar salad and say, can I get shrimp instead of chicken? And invariably they'll say, um, I'm sorry, no menu substitutions. Why? Right. I, I always think like, why? Well, cause they don't want to figure it out. Right. Yeah. And it's just, and so you leave unhappy because there was something, a simple accommodation that you could have done, give her, give them, you know, shrimp and charge a couple extra bucks. But instead we say no. And the pushback I get all the time about some simple things. Well, if we do it for him, we got to do it for everybody. And here's the truth. <laughs> yeah. Here's the truth. And I'm going to talk about this in Niagara Falls. No, you don't. You don't have to do it for everybody. First of all, everybody yeah. isn't going to ask for a special flexibility or accommodation. And if we can do it, why not? I mean, if there's something that COVID taught so many of us in business is that we we had to learn to to say yes a little more often to be remarkably flexible because maybe our traditional way of making money was affected right when people are going going to school at home clearly the buses aren't running right mm -hmm. so how do we take our core competency and how do we find ways to monetize it so part of what i'm going to talk about a little a little preview is ways that we can be flexible and look at alternative revenue sources or additional revenue sources that maybe we didn't think about. Recognize who our customers or constituents are. What are the challenges or the questions or the, the problems or the requests that they might have? And how do we look at those through a different filter? How do we equip our people and train our people in a way that, that people leave the conversations, the encounters feeling like they were heard? Like, it doesn't mean that everybody, that there's, everything's a yes, right? It's not always a yes. And the customer isn't always right. If you have a vegan restaurant, somebody wants a Buffalo burger. Sorry, dude, it's a hard <laughs> no, right? But yeah. 
but we we get we I think we're learning to be a little less robotic. I think people who are frustrated, they'll either go to the, the, the school board, they'll go to policymakers, they go to social media and, and, and rant online. And I'm going to help people in uh, at the conference to help disarm people who might be frustrated, helping them feel heard and recognize that the way we've always done business isn't the way we will necessarily do business in the future. And it doesn't have to be scary. Because there, I think I'm so bullish. I'm so excited about <laughs> some of these new conveniences and new amenities and flexibility and being able to do things on an app on our phone and facial recognition. I don't think that I should be able to get my hair cut at four in the morning, but I darn well expect to be able to make an appointment to do it. And so right. how do we as an industry embrace some of these new amenities, these new conveniences, these new technologies? And we're going to talk about all of that. You know, you just going through, you know, that and us having this conversation, one word sticks out in my mind that maybe was absent. I mean, and you would certainly know because you've been on the front lines of, you know, of customer engagement, but that's empathy. Sure. Yeah. You know, and I, I think maybe that's what's folded in now where it was. Do you remember the old the TV series, Mad Men? Of course. Um, yeah. Okay. So that was such a great series. But I remember Don Draper yeah. said one time, he said, oh, I don't sell advertising. I sell products. And it was interesting. And that was an interesting, you know, nuance made me think. And now you're saying we've even more from that because that was back in the 60s. Okay. Mad Men right. took place in the 60s and into the 70s. And now we don't sell products anymore. You're saying we, we sell the entire experience. Well, we do. I mean, when products become pervasive and available everywhere, and we all have competitors, there's not a business out there on this planet um, or very few that couldn't disappear from the face of the earth today, and we would be fine because there's other choices. But I like how you sort of zeroed in on that empathy. And, and I look at it from a different perspective. You know, we always talk about sort of looking at it through our customers' eyes. But most companies look at it wrong. They, they look at empathy as what else can we sell them? What are they more likely to buy? And I look at it from the perspective, and we're going to do a little bit of this exercise together in, in Niagara Falls, is look at a day in the life of your customer or your constituent. Not just what are they likely to buy or how are they going to use your services, but what happened to them in the last day, in the last month, in the last year. And if we really understand where they're coming from, then we understand the source maybe of their impatience or their intolerance. I ask audiences all the time, and I say, anybody notice that your customers are a little more impatient, right? A little more intolerant. And of course, everybody's like, you know, welcome to my world. Well, I talk about why. And people are impatient, and it's not just the millennials. Give me a break, right? It's everybody. Uh, I, I say, listen, we, I could walk into any of your homes right now, walk past you, walk into your kitchen, and look at your microwave oven. And that will tell me everything I need to know, because I guarantee you it's stopped at like two seconds or one second because you couldn't wait. <laughs> right. That last. Right. We're always looking to <laughs> circumvent a process. And so I think the empathy piece, Kurt, is, is so important because it helps us understand where they're coming from in terms of why they're asking what they're asking or what they're frustrated about and not take it so personally and not 
be so combative in situations that, that sometimes call for it. It helps us take a step back, take a deep breath and truly serve them instead of just respond to them. And I think that part's really, really important. Yeah, for, for sure. You know, this has been such great conversation. I mean, I'm really looking forward to the, you know, your keynote session. One area we haven't covered, David, in the last few minutes here is in our world, the, are the employees, you know, and how do sure. they factor into this entire equation? So maybe you can dive into that a little bit. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a really, really important part. Now, we hear a lot about like CX, if you see that, that's customer experience. And UX is the user experience, which is, right, the biometrics, the the facial scanners, how easy can you, can you log in easily with a thumbprint or something else. But the other part, the other part of this sort of triumvirate is the employee experience. And it's not just how they're treated. I've heard people say it's very simple. I think Richard Branson said that, right? It's very simple. If you, our, our employees are our most important customer. If you treat your employees right, they'll treat your customers right. I don't buy that. I think they treat your customers right when they really understand how we make money, why we're in business, how our entire process works. And so the employees are on the front line. The employees are the ones who deal with people who are frustrated. They're the ones who have to deliver on the services. So I think what's really important is we bring them into the conversation. We help them to understand. I always, when I, and I speak for a living. So when I work with an organization, I, I always suggest, I say, don't just have me speak to your leaders. Have me speak to everybody. Because the more everybody understands how we have changed and we're all customers, right? We're all at the grocery store. We're all buying gas and, and paying for a cable service or whatever else. Understand how we've all changed and why our expectations for speed and flexibility and convenience and all of that has, has grown in such a big way. But I think if we, in, if we engage our employees and include them in that conversation, then you see the light bulbs going off over their heads going, oh, I get it. Now I understand. Not just here's our employee manual. Here's our services. Here's what you do for the drivers and the mechanics and the logistics people and the policymakers. I think everybody being really cognizant of what's going on, what's changed, where the opportunities are, and not just the ivory tower, but I think we need to engage everybody in that conversation. But I think we also, and this is the scary part, we have to empower them to make decisions. We have to empower them to, to, to deliver to our customers and clients something that may not be on the menu. Does that make sense? Even in a B2B perspective, if somebody asks something, it's really easy for us to say, oh yeah, we don't do that. Or no, we don't offer mm -hmm. that. Well, I don't know, maybe we can. And of course there's very famous examples with Nordstrom and others as well, where they don't have to get a manager to solve a problem, right? But I think we're gonna start seeing that more in a lot of various industries in manufacturing, in, in professional services and others as well, is we're hiring great people who have great backgrounds and rich histories and loving families. And the more we can let them, um, here's a different way to put it, and I'll leave it with this. If we can train our people to understand what a good decision looks like within the context mm -hmm. of our business model, then we empower them to do uh, to do things that are above and beyond, not just encourage them, go above and beyond. What does that look like? How do we really, really please our constituents and policymakers? And then of course, internal audiences as well. 
because we deal with each other all day. And so it's a longer conversation, but I will absolutely touch on that um, at the meeting as well. That's that's great. And as I said, David, this has been a, such a great conversation. I just want to remind our listeners that David is going to be speaking at our keynote session on July 25th, and that's going to be starting at 9 a.m., and that's the Customer Experience Advantage with David Averin, sponsored by our good friends at Bluebird Corporation. So, hey, David, I'm really looking forward to meeting you in person in Niagara Falls Thank you, and, and hearing all you have to say. And, and, and listen, thanks so much for taking a few minutes and joining us at NSDA The Bus Stop. Perfect. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to the event. If you haven't registered, register. Come to the event. It's time to get back together. And so I'm excited. Thanks for having me. This episode of NSDA The Bus Stop is brought to you by Keystone Insurers Group. They want to remind you that students have a lot on their minds. Tests, homework, sports, gaming, the list goes on. It sometimes can lead them to act out on the bus or not pay attention to oncoming traffic when boarding or exiting. For over 16 years, Keystone has been your advocate and partner for highlighting the importance of student safety inside and outside the bus. Everyone in the community plays a role to make sure students get to and from school safely. Keystone helps you protect the children you transport and your livelihood, your business.